Good morning again to you. Matthew chapter 5, turn there in your Bibles, page 1115, if you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount here on Sunday mornings. A sermon directly from the Lord Jesus himself. We're so blessed to have this recorded in the scripture. Matthew chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 13. Father, I pray you would bless this time in your word. We've worshipped you in spirit and truth, with our emotions, and now we worship you with our minds. We want to focus in. We want what you have for us this morning from your word. Speak to us, convict us, encourage us, comfort us. Do your work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week, we finished up the opening section of this sermon that's called the Beatitudes. This morning, we come to the section in the sermon that Bible scholars refer to as the similitudes. The similitudes. What's a similitude? Well, it's a comparison between two things. This is like this. And it's a very powerful tool to illustrate abstract truth. So Jesus gives us two very powerful similitudes in our text this morning to illustrate the great influence that we are to have on this world as his people. Massive influence. Huge influence. So look at verse 13. Jesus preaching. Preaching to us this morning. He says to us directly in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is such a rich passage. There's so much spiritual truth to unpack. Let's start with that first similitude, salt. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Now this is a staggering statement that Jesus makes to us. It's emphatic. It's exclusive. You as my people, you alone, are the salt of the earth. The church alone is the salt of the earth. Christians alone are the salt of the earth. Of the billions of people living on planet earth, Christians and Christians 
alone are the salt of the earth. If you're a Christian, you're in an exclusive group. And you have a big time responsibility. This statement had a universal long-term view to it. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. The earth means the whole earth, the globe, the whole population of planet earth. So when Jesus made this statement, he was speaking to a few hundred people sitting on a hillside by the Sea of Galilee. That's quite a thing to say to a few hundred people, you're going to be the salt of the whole world. Jesus was obviously thinking into the future. And he was thinking of a time like right now when his people are scattered all over the globe to be the salt of the earth. The Lord has sprinkled all of us out of his salt shaker all over planet earth to be salt. So what is salt like and what is it used for? Well, salt was primarily used in those days as a preserving agent. It was used to stop rotting, stop things from decaying. It was sprinkled on meat to keep it from spoiling. In those days, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have freezers. They would have seen that as a miracle back then. So if you had raw meat and it's out in the sun, it would start to stink, decay. The insects would come, the flies. They preserved it by rubbing a generous portion of salt into the raw meat, really packing it in. Or sometimes they just put the raw meat in a Saline solution, totally immersed it to keep it from rotting. So we are preserving agents on planet Earth. This world is a fallen world. The human race is a fallen race. This world is corrupt, evil, wicked, And it wants to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Human society, if left to itself like raw meat, will rot, will spoil, will decay. We Christians have been rubbed into the raw meat. We're the preserving agents. We're put here on planet Earth to slow that process. We are the antiseptic influence on this world. Or as one person puts it, we are to be a moral disinfectant in a world where moral standards are low, constantly changing, or non-existent. Jesus was in effect saying, humanity without me is a dead body that is rotting and falling apart. And you, my followers, are the salt that must be rubbed in to the flesh to halt the decomposition. The church must be rubbed into the world, into its rotting flesh and wounds so that it might be preserved. What an image. It's gross. I hope that stays with you. 
that's what God has called you to be is the salt. Rubbed into the raw meat to preserve. So how are we preserving agents? Well, the best way is to live a righteous, holy life. To live a Christian life in the midst of this corrupt world. To live as you know you should live as a Christian. The world runs full speed into sin. Full speed into corruption. You and I as Christians, we run the opposite way. We run into righteousness and we live a much different life. And when you do that, you will slow down the rotting process. Your very presence. So you go into the break room at lunch and there's a group of people there in your office and they're telling dirty jokes and cussing and gossiping and slandering about people. You walk in and they stop. Or at least it's kind of awkward. Because you're salt and they know that you're not like that. Now you don't judge anybody. You just don't participate. And they're convicted. So you have a group of young boys on the playground. They're plotting. They're scheming. They want to put a dead frog on their teacher's desk. But one little Christian boy raises his voice and says, I don't think we should do that. I don't think it's nice. And maybe that gives some of the other people in the group the courage to say, yeah, you know, we probably shouldn't do that. There's a slowing process. That's who you should be. Their mere presence, the mere presence of salty Christians reduces crime, restrains ethical corruption, promotes honesty, quickens the conscience, elevates the general moral atmosphere. The presence of such people in the military, in business, in education, in a fraternity or a sorority will amazingly elevate the level of living and their absence will allow unbelievable depths of depravity. That's who we're supposed to be. Of course, as salt, we need to speak up. Collectively, as salt, we need to stand against the things that are unrighteous in society. We should stand together for righteousness. So we stand against sexual immorality. We stand against corruption in politics. We stand against the attack on the Christian family, marriage, parenting, We stand against the taking of innocent human lives in the womb. We stand against drug abuse, crime. We stand against all of that collectively. We're the blowback. We're the salt. We preserve. We know that even as much as the world loves all those things, those things will destroy the world. Crush society. So we stand against them. Now understand, we do so as meek people, right? Gentle, humble, merciful. It will do you no good if you're obnoxious and mean-spirited. But the salt takes a stand. Now this world will not like the salt. If you're real salty, you'll be like, 
You know, when they pour salt into an open wound and the sting, and there will be some pushback. But take the heat. Take the pushback. Do what you're supposed to do. Be who you're supposed to be as a Christian. You know, if you think the world's bad right now, I know a lot of people hate the church. They don't think the church is relevant. They don't want anything to do with church. You know, one day the church will be out of here. The rapture's coming very soon where Jesus will take the church. You think things are bad now? Wait till all the salt's removed. As imperfect as we as a church are, we're still the salt. So we're to be preserving agents. Now there's another use for salt uh, back in those days, which we use a lot. Salt makes food tasty, doesn't it? It adds flavor and zest to salt. Can you imagine buttered corn on the cob without salt? Anathema, right? A steak sizzling. On the grill without salt seasoning. Chips and salsa without salty chips. Man, I, salt makes, I probably use too much of it. It adds flavor, it adds zest. That is exactly what you are to do in this life. You're to add flavor. Zest. Excitement. So don't just be seen as the preserving agent. Be seen as the one who brings flavor. Christian, you have a joy and an excitement and a peace in your life. Without comparison, you know Jesus. And your presence among people in this world should add flavor. You add life to the daily grind. You add wit, charm, humor, excitement. In a worried world, the Christian should be the only man who remains serene. In a depressed world, the Christian should be the only man who remains full of the joy of life. There should be a sheer sparkle about the Christian. A charm, a delight, a flavor. Do you have that? You know, it's a tragedy that a lot of people associate Christianity with the opposite of that. A lot of people feel like Christianity takes the flavor out of life. And there are a lot of Christians that make the world feel that way. There are a lot of Christians that are gloomy all the time. Have you seen them? They're gloomy and somber and over-serious. They think holiness is walking around with a religious frown. Always pointing at people. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. (laughs) There's a joy in you as a Christian. There's an excitement in you. That should be evident. I think we also add flavor to life by adding things into this world that improve the situation, improving the lives of people. 
I believe that Christians should be the very best at what they do. They add beauty. They're the best artists, the best musicians, the best doctors, the best businessmen and businesswomen. They add things of value. They bring flavor. Do all things unto the Lord. What about all of the charities that the church has put on planet earth over the last 2,000 years, the orphanages, the rescue missions, the hospitals, the clinics, the halfway houses. That's the church being salt. The church, the salt, should add beauty. In fact, look down at verse 16 when Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's there, we do good works. Now, there's two Greek words for good. One is agathos, which means good in quality. The other Greek word is kilos, which means a thing that is not only good, but something that's beautiful. Winsome. Attractive. That's the word that Jesus use, uses. The Christian adds beauty. winsomeness loving things can I just ask you right now where you operate in life where you go day by day do you bring flavor to life do you preserve There's another characteristic of the salt. It, it makes you thirsty, right? Salt makes you thirsty. You better have a big glass of water when you're eating one of those salty pretzels. You get thirsty. The way you live should make other people thirsty for what you have. People should look at your life and say, there's something about you that creates in me a thirst for what you're enjoying. Do you make people thirsty for Jesus? We have Jesus. We have salvation in Christ. We have peace with God. We have his joy, his presence. We live safe, moral, healthy, fulfilled lives. We are not drunks. We are not drug addicts. We're not thieves. We're not greedy for money. We don't have families that are falling apart. We don't have lives that are falling apart. And people see that and they thirst. What do you have? What do you have? Do you make people thirsty? Jesus said in verse 13, If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What happens when salt loses its salty quality? It's flavor. It's bland. It's useless, right? They threw it out. Threw it out into the refuse. Threw it out onto the path. People trampled on it. If you are a born-again Christian and you are not salty, you are not living according to who you should be. You are not fulfilling the purpose that you have been tended to fulfill. 
God has put you in that place to be a preserving agent. If you don't do your job, that place rots. It rots. From a Christian perspective, the saltless Christian is useless. They're wasting their life. Throw them on the trail. And by the way, they do get trampled on by men. I think probably the most miserable people on planet Earth are compromised Christians. Christians who try to play both sides. Who are hypocrites and they know it. They're miserable. And by the way, you'll be known as a man or woman without conviction. And people will walk all over you. We're to be salty. Let's look at the second similitude, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Again, another staggering statement made from Jesus. Exclusive, emphatic. You Christian, you church, you alone, you're the light of the world. It's universal. It's long-term. That's his viewpoint. Jesus imagined a day when his people would be spread out all over this dark world. And we are to be lights. We're to shine. This is also an amazing statement because Jesus is basically telling us that we're going to be just like he was. When he was here in his public ministry, you remember in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Now here Jesus is giving his people a heads up. You're the light of the world. There's coming a time where you will be the light of the world. So Jesus left the planet. He died. He rose again. He ascended. He is seated at the right hand of the father in the heavenly Places. Now we're the light. Think of that. Now don't kid yourself. You don't light yourself. You don't kindle your own light. God lights you. When you become born again, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you Humble yourself and ask him to be your savior. The Bible says you become born again. You become filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's at that moment that Christ himself lights up your life. With a supernatural light. We're told in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So think about this. this is a staggering statement and the responsibility. If you're a Christian, Christ has lit you up and placed you wherever you are to light things up. And so we are to shine. We're to be visible. Jesus says, let your light shine. And he gives us two examples. We're to be like those cities on a hill at night. All lit up. Seen from hundreds of miles around. 
We're to be like those lampstands, lit up, put on the highest place strategically within the house to light it all up. That's who God has called us to be. What is light like? What does light do? Well, light reveals. Light exposes. Light reveals things as they really are. You know, if you come to a room and it's all dark and you've never been inside that room, what are you going to do? You're going to turn on a light. You don't want to trip over anything. Light exposes. It lights up. It reveals. Christian, that's what you're called to do, to reveal things. So, again, we live in a fallen world. The human race is a fallen human race. We live in a dark world. People all around us are walking in darkness. They're blind. They're separated. And you walk in their life. And you're this light. And your job is to reveal to other people that they don't have the light. That they're walking in darkness. You catch people's attention. You're like a warning light. You know when you're driving and the warning light comes on? Don't you just wish it would go away? You turn up the radio. Nah, it's still there. You can't get rid of that warning light until you stop. You know something's wrong. You got to take care of it. Christian, if you're doing your job, you're like a warning light. People observe your life and they realize something's not right. Something's wrong. Now again, there's going to be pushback. People love the dark. They don't like children of light. Have you ever turned the light on in a dark room where somebody's sleeping? Are they happy with you? Turn off the light. Some people will react to you just like that. Turn off the light. I don't want the light. Get out of my face. It's sad. But due to the sinful condition of the human heart, humans are drawn to darkness. Naturally, they want to go into the darkness. Jesus said this in John chapter 3. He said, this is condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds should be exposed. So that's what you're dealing with. People don't want your light. So you will, you will annoy people, you will convict people, but you will also attract people. Don't forget that. You will attract people. Think of a, a dark, snowy, cold night in a forest. And then there's that beautiful cabin, all lit up with a warm light. And you look at that cabin and you say... Oh, that's so safe. 
That's so inviting. That's so comfortable. I want in. My brother and sister in Christ, you shine with the radiance of Jesus Christ. You have the answers. You have the joy. You have the peace. And people will be drawn to you and say, whatever it is that you have, I want in. I want in. So you shine. Light also leads people out of darkness. A a, a life that's all lit up leads people out of darkness. You know, you think of a person walking with a torch at night. Or a lighthouse that's showing ships the way. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've always loved that verse. The Bible is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. As a Christian, you, you could be a light to a non-believer's path. You could be. They see your example. They see the way you live. And then, of course, as children of light, leading people out of darkness, we have to become those people who will tell the truth, who will share the truth with people, no matter how hard that might be. In Scripture, deception, falsehood, is always associated with darkness. Truth is always associated with light. And as children of light, we bring people out of falsehood into truth. So you live that salty life. You shine in front of people. And as people wonder what's going on with you and, and, and can I have some or can, let me into what you know, then you need to tell them what you know. You need to share. You need to tell the story. Here's how I was. I was walking in darkness. I met Christ. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again that third day. I received him. And he lit up my life. And he can light up your life as well. So I'll ask you. Where you work where you operate day to day, do you shine? Do you shine? There are tremendous opportunities for us to have influence in the lives of other people. The great principles from this passage... Jesus Christ, our King, wants to influence the world. Do you know that? He wants to influence the world. And you know how he wants to influence the world? Through you. Through his people. We are to be salt. We are to be light. As Christians, every one of us needs to know, the way I read this passage, we're to exert influence. We're to aggressively be salt. We are to shine. We're not to let go. You know, there was a time within Christianity where 
the church thought it would be best to leave the world and we became monks and we went into these monasteries and we sort of withdrew from the world. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. A lot of Christians today live a modern day equivalent of that. They, they live in this safe Christian bubble. They're afraid to even see a non-believer. So some Christians, they, they're always at church. They're always at Bible study. They go to the Christian school. Some of them even have Christian jobs. That's cool to be surrounded by Christians, but man, you need to be salt and light. Jesus said we are not to be of this world, but in the world. Tragically, there are many Christians who tried to hide their Christianity. They tried to do Jesus, just what Jesus told them not to do. They put a bushel. They don't want to shine too much. What a tragedy. We're to shine. The way I read this passage, uh, it seems to me like all of God's people are strategically positioned. So my, he said, my salt's everywhere. It's all over the planet. I've put lampstands, I put lamps, lit up lamps on lampstands everywhere. You've got a lampstand that you've been placed on. You've got a little section of the raw meat that you've been rubbed into. Here we happen to live in El Paso, Las Cruces, Canatillo, Chaparral. Here God has planted us in this neighborhood. God has planted you at that school. God has planted you at that job. God has given you that circle of friends. Shine. Be salty. Don't hold back. You know, just a little salt will do. Even a little light can make a big difference. I heard about a little girl named Holly, first grader. She weakly approached her teacher, Mrs. Smith, and would timidly say, Mrs. Smith, will you come to church? And Mrs. Smith would promise to do so. And when Mrs. Smith didn't show up, Holly would approach her on Monday morning and say, Mrs. Smith, you didn't come to church. Who could resist those big, sad brown eyes? Finally, Mrs. Smith came, and she came again. And she came to know Jesus. And today she is a remarkable, radiant sunbeam herself. Oh, to have the faith and courage of a little child. Of a little child. Where's your courage? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I want you to just have a time of, of thinking. Just think to yourself, are, are you being salty enough? Are you shining enough? If you're not, why? Don't you want other people to know the truth as you found it?
Say, I'm afraid of rejection. Yeah, you're going to get rejected. But there will also be people that will come into the kingdom of God through your life, through your testimony. If you're a born-again Christian and you've been playing games, come back. Stop it. Understand your responsibility. Understand uh, this exclusive, awesome group that you're a part of. Return to him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're in the kingdom of light. Maybe that perfectly describes you. You feel like all your life you've just kind of been groping around in the darkness. You've been trying different things. Maybe different religions. Different pleasures in this world. Looking for something to satisfy you. It never will. It never will. No matter what you try in this world, it will not fill you up. You were created to know God. And God in his great love sent his son to die on a cross for you. So that your sins could be forgiven. Let him light up your life. He wants to. Oh, how he wants to. Ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior right now if that's you. Lord, pray this prayer. Just in the quietness of your heart. Lord, light up my life. Take me out of darkness. Put me in your kingdom of light. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for my sins and rising again. I admit my sinfulness and I need you desperately to be my savior. I bow before you. I surrender my life. Change me, transform me, make me salt and light and use my life to influence others for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.